0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers use a big second-half surge to defeat South Florida 70-53 to in the fourth game of the Archie Miller era moving the Hoosiers record to two and two. And this is a game where Indiana, you know, really struggled in the first half. You know, they were down by one in the first half of this game, like they were against Seton Hall, but vastly different uh, impressions coming out of the first half of this game than you had in that Seton Hall game as Indiana really against a a a vastly inferior opponent one of the worst opponents left on the schedule really didn't play well in the first half but made some adjustments really came out it looked like with a different mentality in the second half Uh, and also obviously uh, helped out by some of South Florida's unforced errors but you know it, it was one of the better halves that Indiana has played all year and they used that Uh, to build uh, that that big lead and win the second half by 18 points uh, and really give Indiana fans uh, a lot to cheer about there in the second half. And we're going to break it all down for you here on this episode of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms. And let's start tonight's show as we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Several options to choose from, I think, in the second half. And I think there were a lot of plays from Juwan Morgan that you could go with because I thought he played extremely well in the second half. But based on some of the tweets that Andy sent out, I have a feeling he wants to talk about Juwan. And so I'm going to leave Juwan Morgan for him because you know, the move that I was the most impressed by and that I think really signifies maybe something different here for Indiana basketball is the fact that Al Durham started in the second half. And I thought Al was very, very good. Uh, you know, played. I think he finished the game with zero turnovers, was just a really steady, solid influence for this Indiana team. It continues to be one of the minutes' leaders, but I was really excited to see him start the second half and i thought it was an obvious call he started over josh newkirk i thought josh newkirk really played poorly defensively in the first half and didn't give indiana very much offensively and frankly the the last play of the first half which was the south florida guy just driving right past josh newkirk and not putting up uh really much resistance as the guy went and scored on the goaltend um You know, I just didn't think he really deserved to start the second half. And it was nice to see Archie make that change, go with Al to start the second half, and then even more importantly, to play him so much in the second half. And so I think, you know, we've seen really this Indiana team struggle in second halves. Obviously, we saw it as something that happened last season. And so it was nice to see the team go in, make some adjustments in the second half, come out uh, with that different mentality and some different ways of attacking the opposition and, frankly, just going with a different lineup, going with the guys who deserve to play. And I thought Al did that. And, and so I really thought that was just a nice moment showing, again, you know, hopefully that, that there's something different going on here in Bloomington uh, with the new leadership. And so that was good to see for me. And so that play gets my banner moment uh, for this game. And our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based T-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers, and you may be wondering why you should check out their website, hoosierproud.com. And there are a few reasons, and one reason I'm going to give you tonight comes directly from Connor Hitchcock, who started hoosierproud.com because he texted me in the middle of the game and asked me if there was any way that I could add this to tonight's read uh, because he's excited about the new IU soccer tees that they've added at Hoosier Proud. And so I'm going to read you here from the text message that Connor sent me. Uh, obviously, I already told you it's an Indiana based apparel company, but right now you can go to HoosierProud.com and find officially licensed IU soccer apparel to support the men's soccer team in their tournament run. And as always, you can find other Indiana inspired apparel and officially licensed gear uh, for a handful of Indiana universities, not just IU, but that's obviously the university that you're going to be most interested in. Uh, which are perfect for gifts for the upcoming holidays. And so that is reason number one why you should go to Hoosier Proud. Reason number two, as we've been telling you about, their philanthropy. Uh, Our friends at Hoosier Proud donate a portion of the revenue from their t-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities, and you can find out which charities there on their website. And the number three reason is their generosity. Because listeners of The Assembly Call get 15% off of your entire order, not just one t-shirt, not just The Assembly Call t-shirts, which are there at HoosierProud.com, but your entire order. Just use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and you will get 15% off. Again, check them out at HoosierProud.com. All righty. It is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team tonight. It's a two-man crew for you, and we will go over to Andy Bottoms and get his Bottoms line brought to us by iu the url to use when you want the best prices on iu basketball tickets andy was my hunch correct is your bottoms line going to uh talk about Juwan
1: Morgan's strong play in the second half uh absolutely it was i mean there are a lot of good things to talk about in the second half and i'm sure we will uh we'll hit on all those but to me it all started with the way that juan morgan came out of the locker room uh just seemed like he was everywhere every rebound every loose ball. Uh, was really aggressive driving to the basket, and when you look at his stat line from the second half, it's a stat line that you'd be happy with over a full game from him. So he had 13 points, got to the free throw line 10 times, grabbed eight rebounds, uh, five of which were offensive, and that was and had two blocks and a steal, and that was just what he did in the second half. And I just thought, um, you know, his activity level really set the tone early on, and and really helped the team uh, in, in a half where they shot the ball about as poorly as they have in in most. Any half we've seen to this point this season, I mean, they only shot a little bit over 40% in the second half, but, um, you know, really got to the line 17 times. He was 10 of those, uh, grabbed eight offensive rebounds and 23 rebounds overall for the team that uh, really did not fare well on the on the glass uh, in the first half. And so I thought he really came out and set the tone. It sounded like from what uh, all the folks were, that were there in attendance said, I was back out pretty early. Uh, before the second half was going to start. I'm not sure that there was a whole lot to say uh, after the way it went, but I thought Juwan really set the tone for everybody. I agree with you that the move to start Al um, was an obvious one and, and really made sense. He played extremely well, um, but I thought it all, everything in my head kind of tied back to how Juwan Morgan came out to start that half. And, um, you know, we talked, we've you know, we've kind of used that responsibility for production quote. He certainly felt that tonight, not just production, just, I mean, just played his butt off. Uh, Really from the get-go, you know, contested every shot, contested every rebound, um, just really did a phenomenal job. So hopefully a good springboard game for him as as we come into these next few games before the uh, schedule really starts to get tough.
0: Boy, it was so great to see, you know, and I thought in the first half, he kind of struggled to get himself going offensively, you know, but in the second half, just so aggressive, you know, obviously his team, you know, went into him, found him uh, in positions to score and he was able to get fouled and Indiana, I think was in the bonus uh, at the 13 minute mark in the, in the second half, which was huge and helped them, you know, obviously shoot a lot of free throws there in the second half. But I mean, Juwan is just so important. And and I think that's the other big storyline coming out of this game is, you know, the two guys that you really expect to be Indiana's leaders, its upperclassmen and, and probably, you know, the guys that you would think coming into the season, probably the two best all around players and certainly the most experienced Robert Johnson and Juan Morgan really stepped up. And I think, you know, even though he didn't get banner moment mention or bottoms line mention, we have to talk about Robert Johnson right off the top here, because while I think his continued issues with ball handling, you know, remain a concern and the fact that he had three turnovers is not good. You know, 21 points. Uh, he was three for three from downtown, really shot the ball well from outside. And then also was really effective going to the basket and, and finished with those 21 points, had some rebounds, had a few assists. And really, I thought played good defense in the second half as well. Uh, you know, in part on Peyton banks who had a really strong first half and then struggled to get going in the second half. Uh, so I think he certainly warrants mention here off the top. And, and look at, you know, my, my, my initial thought for the banner moment was actually a play really early in the game when, uh, You know, South Florida had gone on a little 7-0 run. Robert got the ball and hadn't shot yet and took a dribble, took a shot at the elbow, very confident, made it. You know, and I kind of made a note, like, is this a good sign, right? You know, him taking the shot without hesitation, knocking it down, is it a good sign? And it proved to be, Uh, you know, sometimes you get that first shot to go down and it really gives you confidence. And, And I thought what Robert was able to do, not just going to the basket, but as a jump shooter also was a huge development because I, I think there are a few things as important that Indiana can get from these next three games than getting a, that you know a confident Robert Johnson back and also getting uh, an offensively adept and productive Juwan Morgan back and they certainly started off on the right foot in tonight's game.
1: Yeah, I thought Robert, uh, it was interesting, you know, he, he hit those couple threes in the first half, but then I felt like there was a, a big period of time after that, where he seemed reluctant to pull the trigger on shots where I thought he was open from the outside. And, yeah. um, and that, that's still kind of strange to me, as you said, some of the ball handling and, and for me, as much of the ball handling is, was just kind of sloppy passes, you know, passing it back out toward the top of the key, just not really leading the, the, intended recipient of the pass to the right spot and and set up some turnovers in that regard. Um, but really thought he got himself going uh, by going to the rim. You can tell that's a part of his game that he's very confident in. And hopefully uh, we look back on that three he hit in the last few minutes uh, as as maybe a turning point for him of the season because he took, he took that and shot without thinking. I felt like every other shot, even the ones that he made, he was thinking about every bit of it. The release didn't look quite the same as it had been. And that one, it just seemed like instinctually caught it, shot it, and and knocked it down. And so hopefully, uh, if nothing else, that's, you know, we look back on that and say, hey, this game really got Robert Johnson going. That shot made him look a little bit more like the guy that we've seen uh, more often than not over the last couple of years, because I think that was uh, as positive a development for me as anything. But he, I think he he's, you know, if you kind of rated parts of his game, he's confident in now. I think he really feels good about his ability to get to the rim, uh, was able to, you know, split defenders and and really get up there and finish. So, that's a positive thing, and I think something this team needs to continue to do if they're going to get to the free-throw line, because that was one of the things that made Juan Morgan so effective in the second half, and uh, something that you know, we keep harping on free-throw rate. Right? That's going to be important. They have to continue to be aggressive.
0: Yeah, and that shot was a dagger. I mean, it was 62-51 at the time. If South Florida was going to make any last gasp, they were going to do it right there, and they just made a bucket, and he came down and just drained that shot. And you're right. That was extremely good to see, and hopefully a sign of things to come for a guy that Indiana really needs a lot out of, uh, if they are going to make anything out of this season. All righty, you are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms breaking down Indiana's seventy to fifty three victory over South Florida. Uh, Andy, we can't get out of the first segment of the show without mentioning. An IU coach got a technical foul. <laughs>
1: and, I, you know. <laughs> I, although I don't think intentionally. I mean, he no. was clearly trying to just throw the towel either behind the scores table or slam it against the scores table and it slipped out of his hand. But, you know, an IU coach throws something on the floor. <laughs> yeah. It's newsworthy. What do well, you say?
0: And, and like, it, it, you know, in the immediate aftermath of that technical foul, it wasn't good because it was a four point swing for South Florida. Um, but. In a lot of ways, and I you know, I think you know he got a nice <laughs> cheer from the Simon Scott Assembly Hall crowd. I think it was refreshing to see a coach just be so upset by poor defensive play because you know you got to go back and remember what precipitated that technical foul. Uh, and I think you know, because there was an important stretch there in the first half where it looked like Indiana might be able to, you know, kind of build a little bit of momentum. It was 28-26, they've got the ball, they're in transition, and Devontae Green just makes a terrible turnover where his dribble is just too loose. And South Florida gets it. They score. On the next position down, Devontae misses a closeout and then a blockout. And so, you know, they score. And Archie immediately takes him out. And then I think it was the next possession. It was another bad defensive possession. I think Archie had just had enough. And in that sense was a lot like what Indiana fans have felt like watching this team play, not just at times this year, but certainly in the past. And so he throws that towel. And, and look, I, he will probably say that it was a mistake and it was a four point swing. And that kind of helped to contribute to the poor end to the first half for Indiana. But, you know, I will just say this we've done all right in the past with a coach who demanded, uh, you know, uh, 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 um, responsibility on the court without necessarily always showing it himself. Uh, and so, you know, and, and, you know, and I just wonder if that seeing that emotion, you know help to light a little bit of a fire under the team moving forward from that. You know, I don't know and and maybe we're making too big a deal about it, but I will just say that I enjoyed seeing a coach for a moment become unhinged about bad defense because at the end of the day, that's kind of the mentality that you need to have. It's just a frustration and an exasperation at times when your team isn't giving you what you want. And look, from that point on, I don't know exactly what they were for those final few minutes of the of the first half after that. But let me pull up the second half points per possession for South Florida because they it was not 19, good. They only
1: had 19 points total. So it can't have, it could yeah. not have been point, anything, anything point dramatic.
0: 0.63 point six, points per possession. And so you combine that again with the move to take Josh Newkirk out, who was not good defensively, and put Al Durham in, who was much better defensively. And I just, I, as an IU fan, I appreciated it. And I will give Archie a pass that it turned into a four point swing for South Florida. I liked seeing it because it, you know, uh, at some point it's got to be just not acceptable to play that level of defense and maybe you know that 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 was a, a bit of a turning point it was nice to see nonetheless
1: yeah i think it looks like they only scored uh, they scored two more they scored that layup at the end of the half and that was the all they scored in the half so i guess from that point forward for those roughly 22 minutes they they gave up 21 points and he was i don't know who exactly it was that he was talking to but he was uh, upset with somebody about not diving on the floor for the loose ball either. That was when they're, you know, every rebound was and loose ball was going South Florida's way. And he was, uh, definitely on somebody about diving on the ball and getting on the floor. So, yeah, I think that was one of those things where it's like those of us who, uh, are old enough to have gone to the, uh, the, uh, whatever it was, midnight madness, Hoosier hysteria things when night was there. Um, It it reminded me of the cheer that a crowd would give every time he would stop something, pull somebody aside and rip into him. And then everybody would be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And like start going crazy. I felt like it was a lot like the cheer to me was very, uh, very reminiscent of that. Yes. Um, Okay. so one more
0: storyline I want to hit here before we get out of this first segment. And and I want to go back to Al Durham because, you know, we may have seen a bit of a changing of the guard uh, here, I guess, literally, you know, as Josh Newkirk only plays 10 minutes tonight, only played a couple of minutes there in the second half. And look, it's not a surprise that Al Durham played a lot of minutes tonight. Uh, This may surprise you if you haven't been you know, kind of following along the box scores, but he entered tonight's game second on the team in minutes which is absolutely not something that I thought we were going to see coming into the season, uh, despite how effusive Archie was in his praise of Al. And tonight, again, he plays 31 minutes. He's second on the team in minutes. But, you know, especially notable, again, starting over Newkirk, Newkirk not playing very very many minutes in the second half and being ineffective in the minutes he was in there. I mean, look, this is now four games into the season. And Archie has talked about how it's less important who starts and more important who finishes the game. I mean, Archie is showing with the minutes that he's doling out that he trusts Al Durham as much as anybody really except for Robert Johnson. And considering that Al has, I think, the best turnover rate on the team and didn't turn it over at all today, he may trust Al more than anybody handling the ball, which is, you know, nice poise and veteran savvy from your freshman four games into his season. You know, so, uh, you know, on the one hand, you can look at it like, holy crap, it's crazy that we're relying on a freshman with the ball in his hands this much. And it's not like this guy was a five star recruit. But on the other hand, man, it is a great sign to see this level of play so early from Al Durham, who just continues to impress.
1: Yeah, he just—I mean, as you said, the 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 poise that he has, um, just the different things he can do with the ball in his hands. It was one play, I think it was in the second half, uh, and I think he got fouled on and, and made the basket. Where he came down, was kind of you know cruising down the the sideline, slowed up just enough to get the defender to kind of stop his feet, and then just blew right past him. Uh, after that, just to you know just kind of a, a veteran move being able to change speeds change direction um you know apparently shooting floaters in the in the lane with his off hand just for fun uh you know this is going to do little to dispel the uh any kind of stanford robinson level comparisons by him shooting with both hands with those, those the are same gone game.
0: never mentioned but, uh, them again in the same sentence <laughs> but the,
1: the lack of turnovers is certainly the part that will dispel any any comparison to uh to Stan. but yeah i mean he just continues to play well and he's earned those minutes and i think yeah, you know, we've talked about this a lot. I feel like in that you know, we can y- you know that Archie has, you know, some of these guys that he's going to plan to play for a while here and his ties to some of the veterans are not as deep as as they might be. And while we talked a lot the last game about him giving Robert Johnson a lot of rope because I think he knows in the end how much he really needs Robert Johnson. <laughs> little bit and i don't mean this is a negative against josh because people uh, are are waiting to jump all over him and tell you how terrible he is um but i don't think archie feels the same need. i don't think he feels like this team can't succeed without josh newkirk in the way that he feels like they can't really succeed without robert johnson and um and i think he saw that tonight i mean josh played two minutes in the second half and got a wide open look off of a off of a really good pass, I think, from Juwan, and it just wasn't anywhere close uh, where the shot ended up. And and yeah. um, you know, but it, it, even no matter what his ties to Josh Newkirk were, if he's playing this way and Al Durham is playing the way that he has been, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who would tell you watching these four games of tape that that you shouldn't be playing Al the majority of minutes over over Josh at this point. And that's just the reality of the situation. Maybe that changes. Maybe Josh has a resurgence late in the season like he did last year. But um, I, I just don't know how you could watch this team and suggest that Al Durham should be playing any less than 25 minutes a game uh, at this point and probably more. I think he played closer to 31 tonight and, and I thought that was well-deserved. I think what he brings you on both ends of the floor uh, is what they need because I think he balances out when you look at guys who might be primary ball handlers, it's kind of him and Devonte. If you if you think that Newkirk is going to be out of the mix, um, and while Devonte can do some pretty spectacular things, he also I think led the team in turnovers tonight. And in some ways, they kind of balance each other out a little bit uh, in places when both those guys are going to be on the floor. And I think that's um, I think that's kind of an important distinction that you got one guy who can really go go after it and make some more freelance type plays, uh, like maybe Devontae can, but I think you've got Al who really has shown, you know, with that turnover to assist ratio, really just a consistently good decision maker at this point.
0: Yeah, and hold that thought on Devontae Green because I want to talk about him more off the top in our next segment. So coming up here on the Assembly Call, I will point out tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed and then we will go inside the numbers as we continue to break down Indiana's victory over South Florida. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something we get paid a commission so it's a great way for you to shop for the iu gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time again the url is iustore.shop please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy iu gear we appreciate it now back to the show You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 70-53 to victory over South Florida on Sunday evening. And Andy, it is time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, which is delivered by iustore.shop, the URL to use when you need to shop online for IU gear. And <clears throat> we were just talking about Devontae Green, you know, and you kind of talking about some of, you know, his his... Desire to make the spectacular play. And look, sometimes it looks great. That assist that he had to Deron Davis tonight looked as beautiful as any pass that we saw all game. But, you know, I mentioned earlier one little stretch for Devontae that I thought was really killer because, as much as Devontae can give you spurts that create momentum, just as he did against Seton Hall. Some of Devonte's decisions and plays and bad stretches can kill momentum. You know, and I mentioned the one where Indiana's up 28-26 in the first half. It looks like they're going to build some momentum and a turnover and a poor defensive play by Devontae really hurt the team. And I thought there were a couple plays late in the second half. Again, you know, Indiana at this point, uh, you know, I think they're up by 9-10, something like that. The game isn't totally over yet even though Indiana's in control. You just want to make smart plays. Uh, and I thought there were a couple that Devontae made that really made me scratch my head. One in particular was a pass that he made to Deron Davis, where you know he just put Deron in a bad position and, and Deron wasn't able to make the pass. Then he ends up picking up a foul. Uh, now in Deron's defense, there it wasn't a foul, it was a terrible call. But the pass Devontae made like, what was Deron going to do with the ball once he got it? It was just a poor decision, put his big man in a bad position. And it ends up with the big man getting his fourth foul. So that wasn't good. And then just a couple plays later, Devontae is playing on ball defense and just, you know, basically gave no resistance whatsoever. I don't remember who the South Florida player was, but he drove right by. They scored. And what was bad about that is this is when it was 60 to 47. Simon Scott Assembly Hall is about to erupt. You know, it's one of those, okay, we get a defensive stop here. We go down the other way. This game is over. The place is about to just erupt and go crazy. And and I'm sorry, they didn't score, but it was a foul. And it was such a preventable foul because all Devontae needed to do was move his feet. But he really just, it was just kind of lackadaisical, lack of effort. And immediately after that, Archie took him out. So again, you know, I... Kind of continue to come back to this tonight because I think it was important that, you know, guys who weren't doing what Archie wanted to do, especially backcourt players, he was pulling them out. And, you know, I think Devontae still played a decent amount of minutes tonight. He ended up playing 25 minutes, but five points, one assist, four turnovers. I thought it was a really, really poor performance from Devontae. And my notes are just littered with, you know, moments where I thought he made a bad decision or. You know, whether it was lack of effort or just lack of attention to detail defensively, I just didn't think it was a very good night for him. Uh, but again, I was happy to see that when some of the more egregious plays happen, uh, happened, he was taken out. And fortunately for Indiana, they had guys like Al Durham and Robert Johnson that were able, were able to provide more steady hands in the backcourt because this is not a game where Devontae came to really be the kind of consistent, productive player that Indiana needs him to be.
1: Yeah, I thought he hit, uh, you know, a couple you know, nice shots when they, when they needed baskets and the offense was really struggling in the first half, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, as you said, four turnovers on the, on the night, I think two in each half, just one assist and, and just didn't really feel like he was as intense defensively as he's shown the ability to be uh, at different times. And I think, you know, part of that could be him trying to figure out how, you know, if we do see a, you know, a situation where he and Al are going to be sharing the floor a little bit more. Uh, and it sounded like Archie made some comments about Newkirk being a little bit banged up and having some leg injuries I know he went back to the locker room for part of it. So maybe that, uh, was a little bit of the, uh, you know, the reason he didn't play as much in the second half, but I think part of it is what we, what we just alluded to. Um, but I do think it's going to be interesting to see how he and Al can really play together and, and kind of share, uh, that role of primary ball handler. Cause I can see how it could be a little bit unclear, be a little bit uncomfortable for him. And I don't know if, um, you know, some of that was born out of, you know, trying to, trying to you know reassert himself in the second half. I know exactly which pass you were talking about. It was a really difficult pass. And again, one where I'm not sure what in the world Duran would do with the ball there anyway. And then I think that was the second one where he got called for a foul, basically for being big. Um, yeah. and, and so that was, that part of it was unfortunate, but just kind of felt like, um, I, I think that's going to be a little bit of if the roles start to shake out in the way that we just discussed, um how those guys play together, I think they can really balance each other out. And I think they can play well together. Um, but I don't know that it's a situation that they probably envisioned happening a great deal, quite honestly, if you really yeah. thought, you know, if we're going to start three guards, are those going to be two of the three? I don't know that a lot of people would uh, would have suggested that. And, and so maybe there'll be a little bit of a, a learning curve and, and growth for them there. But I do think they can complement each other well and be really effective in the long run.
0: You know, the other moment that I thought was really meaningful in the second half, you know, you think back and, you know, right out of the gates in the second half, Indiana wasn't great. I mean, they they you know, won 6-5 through the first uh, four-minute stretch, and then it was 6-4 through the second four-minute stretch, but still a 45-43 game. And there were still some instances where the rebounding issues that had plagued Indiana in the first half, and we'll get to that in a little bit, uh, were still a problem in the second half. But you know, after that, that next stretch, Indiana goes on a 9-1 run and then an 8-5 run, and then they closed it out 8-4, which is when they really extended the lead. And I thought, uh, you know, when they went on that 9-1 to run, Deron Davis was a big part of the offense, and and this is a theme for this team that when the offense is really going well, and you know we saw this uh, in the second half of the Howard game when Indiana really put that game away, going inside to Deron Davis was a big part of it. And I can't remember; it, I know he had two straight scoring plays, and I can't remember if he ended up having six points in that run or just the four. But I thought, you know, and and, and they showed on the BTN broadcast, you know, a set play that Indiana ran for Deron to get him open, uh, and it was nice to see. Indiana really focused on getting Durant involved there and then for him to come through. And he didn't have the greatest of games, you know, 12 points and five boards, so solid. He was again efficient uh, shooting at five for seven, but that was a nice little stretch to see uh, that he was able to really, you know, go down low, get some work done when this team really needed him in the second half. And essentially, once he went on that little scoring run of his own, that was basically it because South Florida never got any closer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought, like you said, he played really well in that second half during that. I know which stretch you're talking about and really over the last um, kind of track and lineups and things like that. I think over the last kind of seven groups that were out there, I was plus 19, which started about the 13, 18 mark. So he was in there uh, certainly for a good chunk of that. But I, yeah, I definitely thought, um, you know, the foul trouble again, this is the second straight game. I think that's. Uh, if you want a reason for concern, that would be it at, at this point. You know, but he did get four shots in the second half, three rebounds, um but picked up three fouls in 11 minutes and and again i I disagree with uh, a couple of those fouls and the one we just talked about there was another one where he kind of got called for going over the back when they had a smaller guy on him, and I thought he just got called for being tall essentially um so maybe I don't put that one as much on him, but he he's got to find ways to to stay on the floor because. He's really efficient shooting to, to your point but uh, you know just got seven shots. you'd probably like to see him get more but five of seven uh, you'll take got to the line four times you know only made two of those but a, a guy that IU needs there's no substitute for him as well as you know Justin Smith played uh, played had some good minutes in the second half and as well as I think he and Morgan are playing together. Uh, you know, they've got to find ways to get Duran involved. And so it seems like that play you, you talked about was one of them. They did that. And, and a little bit of it was South Florida playing a decent amount of zone uh, from time to time. There was a really good feed that Al had uh, against his zone, kind of a diagonal feed into him that was just perfect uh, in the first half that got him a dunk. So they're getting better, I feel like, at getting him the ball uh, in advantageous situations and just getting him the ball in general. So hopefully that can uh, hopefully that's something they that can continue and he can build on and stay out of foul trouble.
0: You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's win over South Florida. Andy, let's go inside the numbers a little bit. And, uh, you know, I mentioned on the halftime report that two of the biggest culprits for Indiana in being down one at halftime were the turnovers, obviously, you know, because Indiana finished the first half somewhere around uh, 30% of their possessions ending in in a turnover. Now, they had improved it toward the end of the first half because they had six turnovers pretty quickly in the game. Uh, you know, and a lot of them were just, you know, the poor kind of turnovers that we've seen, predicated by by bad decisions. And the other just awful stat from the first half was South Florida's offensive rebounding. I think South Florida was, you know, rebounding 52, 53% of their misses in the first half, which is just an egregious number. And again, you saw some of it at the start of the second half. I mean, it was just some of the most lackadaisical almost not even lackadaisical, but just no blockouts whatsoever. You know, they showed a highlight of basically three Indiana players just totally not boxing out, and the South Florida guy coming in, getting a rebound. I distinctly remember uh, a play where Freddie McSwain, again, just didn't even bother to put his butt into his man, and I'm pretty sure Freddie got taken out soon thereafter, and I don't know that he played a whole lot after that. But Indiana was able to clean that up, and South Florida missed a lot of shots there toward the second half of that second half and they finished with an offensive rebounding percentage of just 25% in the second half. So that really shows that Indiana was able to clean that up, make that adjustment, and again, Indiana only turned the ball over on 10.4% of their possessions in the second half, just three turnovers. Two of those were by Devontae Green, which we've talked about, but the other players really did a nice job of taking care of the ball. And and it was not like Indiana wasn't aggressive. I mean, Robert Johnson was going to the bucket, but, you know, did it without turning it over much. He only had one turnover. We've talked about what Jawan and Al did. So I thought, to me, obviously the you know, the, the ability to hold South Florida down in terms of offensive efficiency in the second half, that's a huge number, but Indiana was able to do it in large part because they cleaned up the glass and didn't allow South Florida to get second chance points. And because they cleaned up the turnovers and didn't allow South Florida to get out and transition and get some of those easy buckets that a lot of times come from Indiana's worst turnovers. So to me, those numbers really jumped out tonight, Andy, uh, what else jumped out to you on the stat sheet?
1: Yeah. Well, just to kind of chime in on the second chance points, I think they had 14 in the first half. Um, and, and for a team that isn't very gifted offensively uh, by any means, you know, to just give teams that many baskets on putbacks and, and easy things like that just can't happen. Um, and, and so, you know, only gave up five in the second half if this if this number I'm looking at here is correct. So that was a positive. Another one that that really jumped out to me, I you had nine blocks yeah you know, over the course of the game and that was a you know a team effort and a number of guys had I, I talked about morgan had four uh, a couple from robert johnson you know justin smith had a big one late pretty Walk much at right. the end was awesome <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was outstanding usually you get the old like okay oh, we keep that in bounds so you can do it but that seemed like an <laughs> exclamation point on the game more than anything else so that one was okay uh you know clifton moore had one so i thought that was good and i think you know in some ways a lot of those blocks did not necessarily come from the guys who were guarding uh the players who who took the shots and so um, you know, I think some of the rotations and help defense uh, are, are shown by those block numbers. I thought that was a really good sign uh, for IU. And I think, you know, there were, there were certainly times in the second half where it seemed like they were starting to get it uh, a little bit more from an offensive uh, perspective and so, or from a defensive perspective. I thought that was uh, I thought that was a big one. And, uh, you know, really, second half defense uh, was another one. Held South Florida to one of 10 on three pointers. Uh, I think to this point in the season, and even through the first half where they were uh, four of seven, I think I used given, I don't even know what the percentage was, but if, if you told me that the other team was going to take 10 three pointers uh, before the second half, I would have just assumed that they made eight out of habit at this point and moved on. Um, so, love averages is a beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Regression is fantastic. So, that yeah, they were one of 10 in the second half, six of 25 overall from the floor. Uh, and continue to for, you know while, I turnover rate dipped quite a bit. um uh, you know, South Florida did still turn the ball over seven times in the second half. I thought IU did a much better job of really making them uncomfortable. Uh, I felt like we talked about that a lot over the course of last season and even this one, just the ability to kind of kind of make the other team uh, uncomfortable and running what they run run. and I thought they uh, I thought they did a good job with that. And so those are at least a couple defensive numbers that from from my standpoint, really, really stood out. This shows, um, again, these layup numbers, take these for what they're worth. Um, did show South Florida in the second half, five of 13 on, on layups. So, um, if you, if you take the, you know, the shot blocking certainly was a big part of that. I thought that was, uh, you know, a positive sign. And IU from their standpoint, continues to shoot the ball well from two point range. So, um, the three point shooting continues to be a struggle, but uh, I think IU and two pointers shot it really well. So, uh, you know, continuing to build on a strength there is is another important one. And uh, and above all else, at this point in the course of the season, IU made seventy six percent of their free throws. Which yes. Uh, Again, if you talk about, you know, free throw rate was up over 50% at at 25 free throws on 40 and 49 field goal attempts, Uh, but to actually convert and make good on those opportunities was something that we haven't seen. We've seen the free throw rate be good uh, in a number of the games and halves over the course of the season, but to actually step up and knock them down uh, was a positive. And so glad to see that.
0: And basically, free throw rate is just a measure of, you know, how many free throws you're shooting. You want a higher rate, that means you're getting to the line more. And tonight, Indiana made 14 free throws and South Florida only shot 17. And this, of course, was a hallmark of, you know, some of Indiana's best teams is they would make more free throws and the opponents would shoot. And, you know, hopefully that's something that we see a lot of. That's certainly the kind of style that Archie Miller wants to play. A couple of the things, Andy, you know, you mentioned the blocks and I mean, that, it's a great stat, you know, to have nine block shots and Indiana came into this game with a block percentage of 13.2% uh, and to provide some context on that number, that's 74th in the country. Uh, and so that's really good. So this has been a team so far this year that has done a nice job blocking shots and that percentage obviously will go up uh, with tonight's performance. So that was really good to see. You know, we mentioned the free throw shooting, which I thought was also good to see. Um, And and let's linger for a moment, Andy, on the seven offensive rebounds from Juwan Morgan, uh, because I think, you know, you've mentioned that at the beginning, but that's a huge number. And I thought at certain times when when Indiana's offense was struggling, you know, sometimes you need a lift, like a big offensive rebound to kind of get you going. Um, And I thought he had a few of those, especially early in the second half when the team was still kind of trying to get going a little bit. That were really really big and obviously I had several of them in the first half and that's you know usually when i what do he finished with 10 rebounds you know, usually when a guy gets 10 rebounds you know, you're thinking probably six or seven of those are defensive but to have seven offensive rebounds is just a i mean that's a terrific number from jawan morgan um and and something he obviously deserves praise for and you know we saw justin smith and ron davis continue to be solid on the offensive glass and so that was really nice to see too and you know, for a team that is at times going to struggle offensively, India is going to have to manufacture some points and and sometimes you're able to do that when you can get on the offensive glass and get yourself some open looks uh, or some easy looks and some second chances.
1: Um, and so that was really nice to see from Juwan as well, yeah, he was just just the activity level was was amazing. yeah, he had seven of the thirteen offensive rebounds for i u, but I think uh, you know um that that just speaks to his overall activity level. And I think what we'll what we may start to see and I'd be curious to look back at other games in this is. Um, you know, the, the guards have been doing a lot of the work on the defensive glass, or at least they did tonight. You know, Al had five, uh, defensive rebounds. Robert had four. Um, and so I think, you know, in some cases, some systems that is, uh, that is by design. I have not looked at I use enough to know whether that's been the case there. Um, but when you, you know, look at some of those things, you know, they'll want the bigger players to just box their guys out, let the guard take the ball off the board and, and go. Um, so I'll be curious to see whether that's, I might pay more attention to that now after looking at it tonight, but, um, I thought an interesting, interesting numbers there, but certainly on the offensive side, uh, those are the kinds of things that Juwan's been doing ever since he's been at IU. And I think those are, um, you know, kind of harken back to some of that activity level. But um, you just saw that he's, you know, how his skill has grown over time that he's able to do more with those. Um, but but just that activity level is something they got to have from him. And like I said in the in the opening, I thought everybody else just fed off of that.
0: Man, he could have had a bigger night, too, because he was only three of seven from the field, and a few of those were, you know, some pretty close looks. Like, he's he still seems like kind of working to get comfortable just making shots. He missed a pretty good look from three, and he had a couple of plays where, you know, he drove in well and kind of did that, the little Juwan scoop shot that we've, you know, seen often, just wasn't able to knock him down. One more stat I want to mention, Andy, before we move on is, again, you know, Peyton Banks had 15 points in the first half, was a really, really big part of South Florida getting that lead. And then he only scores three in the second half. When was the last time that a player came out, played really well in the first half, and Indiana actually adjusted and shut him down in the second half? I mean, how many times have we seen a guy who's had a great first half just come out and continue torching Indiana? And I thought tonight it seemed like Indiana took a little bit of pride and shutting a guy down, and I know Robert Johnson guarded him uh, for a decent part of the second half. Uh, Alex Bosic, you know, mentioned on Twitter that was one of his observations that, uh, you know, that Robert was really doing a nice job defensively on him. So just seeing that disparity uh, and and having it in reverse of how we've often seen it was really nice to see.
1: Yeah, the only basket he made in the, the second half, he got an and one on a baseline jumper that that Robert contested and and must have hit him on the elbow or something. But I mean, it was even when he did score, it was. Uh, you know, somebody was right on him. It was a difficult shot and he, and he managed to get fouled, you know, making a 15 a foot jumper. So, yep. um, yeah, d- like to see that. And again, that's, that's something that we've seen from, uh, from Robert, even that times when his offensive game wasn't going, he, he had been a guy who really, from an effort standpoint on the defensive end had really had provided a lot of things, but I think there were times, uh, this season when we had not necessarily felt like, uh, like we'd seen that. So uh, a, a good all around performance as you, as you kind of look at the overall game of Robert Johnson tonight.
0: All right, coming up on the Assembly Call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over South Florida. That is next. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. And you can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com, whichever one is more convenient for you. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's victory over South Florida. Let's talk about a few other guys, Andy, that, that we haven't really touched on yet tonight. Um, one of them is Freddie McSwain, who, you know, it's not too long ago that we were kind of talking about him being a guy that, you know, on a team that's still kind of trying to figure out its way. Maybe he would be a guy for Archie Mode that you could kind of rely on to kind of come in, you know, do your job, get the offensive rebounds. You kind of know what you're going to get. And I feel like this was the second straight really underwhelming performance from Freddie. You know, he only played nine minutes tonight. I mentioned, you know, the play in the second half where he just totally whiffed on a blockout. You know, obviously didn't get any offensive rebounds, which is kind of his hallmark. And, you know, I think, you know, he's obviously going to be a guy that if he isn't coming in and doing those hashtag Freddie McSwain things, there's just not going to be a lot of minutes for him. Uh, and while I don't think that's devastating um, by any means, I think he's a guy who can really be a bonus. If he comes in and plays good defense and is active and does some of those hustle things, but if he's not doing the hustle things and if he's not rebounding, he's just not going to be able to play very much. And we're kind of seeing that the last two games, Archie has not been, uh, you know, has not hesitated to take him out. And, and if Deron Davis isn't on the court to roll with Juwan Morgan and Justin Smith and just give those guys the minutes that might've otherwise gone to Freddie.
1: You're muted, Andy sorry uh i thought the i thought the first half um i'm trying to stifle any yelling i do from the eagles game um no so the the uh you know i thought the first half uh he took uh, he had the play that you mentioned where he gave up an offensive rebound and maybe that was the second half where he just kind of stood there and watched the guy uh you know watched you know got took a long jumper he just watched the guy go around him i think that actually was the second half now that i now that i think of it and in the first half he took a face up jump shot that i don't know that there's any scenario in which any of us would be excited for him to take the only thing good about it was that curtis jones ran the entire you know across the entire court and chased down the rebound yeah Um, but otherwise that shot was like i just there's no reason for him to take that so um yeah i just to your point i mean there's things that he was doing in some of those early games those scrimmages that are going to allow him to be the most successful and really contribute the most to the team and i thought he's deviated for whatever reason from those things over the last couple games and the playing time has suffered as a result because um, I think in the first half if Justin Smith not you know picked up a couple quick fouls in a relatively short period of time we probably would have seen more of him I thought he played really well in the second half
0: also anytime someone plays zone against us you got to have Justin Smith on the court like that guy is a really smart player in zone offense and you know, makes good passes, makes himself available for passes so the guards don't just have to throw the ball around the perimeter, which obviously you're not going to beat his zone doing that, but he makes himself available. He gets himself into scoring positions. Uh, I continue to be, you know, it's so it's funny. I mean, you know in in so many ways, and obviously Justin Smith's turnover issues uh, and some of his foul issues remind you that he's a freshman, but he also does some other things, you know, being in the right place at the right time, that you kind of expect from veterans, uh, you know, and so again, it, it's kind of become a cliche at this point to say that, you know, the freshmen aren't unlearning things and the veterans are, um, but for whatever reason, I just continue to be impressed with the, with, with the savvy of those two, and I think you really see it for Justin. It's really come out when, when Indiana has played uh, in some zone situations. He's really been an effective guy uh, at helping Indiana, you know, get the ball into the teeth of that zone and find scoring opportunities.
1: Yeah, he he definitely has and continues to, you know, they look for him in that scenario. You can tell they they look for him to flash in, uh, in the middle of the zone. I think he's done well there and really has has already been a really good, almost instinctive rebounder, I guess I would say. He just seems yeah. to, uh, you know, find himself in the right spot, really does a good job of going up and grabbing the ball. Uh, and even the one dunk that he hit in the second half really elevated up over somebody and, and dunked on him. So being able to finish a little bit better, I think that's something we'll continue Uh, to talk about and watch with him as he goes forward. But uh, yeah, I thought he played really well in the second half. I think the fouls took him out of things a bit in the first, but you know, second half played nine minutes off the bench, four rebounds uh, and four points with a, with a block and no turnovers and no fouls. So um, you know, if those are the kinds of performances that you can get from him, you extrapolate that over the course of a game. And you told me that he played around 20 minutes and had eight points and eight rebounds. I don't think there's too many people who would turn their head at that. Uh, And I think that's something he's shown he, he can be able to do. And so, um, I think I have started to feel a little bit more confident. We talked about Dron's uh, foul issues. I've started to feel a little bit more confident that I'm you know, watching a, a front line made up of Juwan Morgan and Justin Smith for extended minutes and a half in, in the event of foul trouble with Freddie McSwain is one that I think we've seen success with and one that I'm uh, pretty comfortable with this early in the season.
0: And some of Indiana's best play came with Justin Smith on the court. Uh, I've got two different box scores up here, and they both have different uh, plus-minus numbers. Uh, one of them has him as uh, plus 13, which was second on the team, and one of them has him at, uh, at plus 13, which was third on the team. Um, you know, so I don't know which one to trust, but either way it was good. And, and, Indiana played some of its best basketball, uh, with him out there. And so that continues to be encouraging. One other guy that I want to talk about, Andy is Curtis Jones. And like, we didn't see very much from him in that Seton hall game. Didn't play very much, didn't do very much when he was out there. And he certainly didn't stuff the stat sheet by any means tonight. Uh, you know, three points had an assist, had a couple of rebounds. He had that offensive rebound that you mentioned, but I thought he was noticeably more active, both on defense and both on offense. You know, go he had, because in addition to that offensive rebound, he had another couple of plays where he was close to an offensive rebound. But you could see him in there, you know, flying in, trying to make plays. And so I was really happy when he made that three-pointer, that first three-pointer that he took in the first half, because it's nice to see a guy be rewarded for being active and playing hard by getting scoring opportunities like that. And he made it, and we know that he can be a good shooter. He's just... Obviously an inconsistent one and and wasn't able to follow that up by making any other ones. But it was at least kind of signs of life from Curtis Jones uh, after a game where he didn't really show any and kind of starting to wonder if he's going to be a guy in the rotation. And, you know, I, I think maybe those of us who were hoping for a big jump from Curtis Jones, I don't know that we've seen anything through these first four games to expect that. We're going to start seeing Kansas Curtis Jones consistently. Uh, But I guess, you know, as we look for positives moving forward, you know, from this kind of three-game homestand, this was at least, I thought, a performance to build on because he seemed more locked in to what Archie kind of wants him to do, Um, and, you know, especially on the defensive end. And so maybe that leads to more playing time, especially if, you know, if Josh Newkirk is injured or if he is, you know, again, kind of falling down in the rotation a little bit, uh, depending on whatever the reason was for him not playing there in the second half.
1: Yeah, I thought he. I thought he, as you said, his activity level in the first half was particularly good. That rebound I talked about the chase down that that McSwain had. I mean, he came all the way across the court. It was really a great effort play, uh, and saved a possession for IU. You know, hit a three when uh, Robert Johnson got going, and IU, you know, kind of started uh, started feeling good about their outside shooting in the first half. And then you know, the only thing that I would say is, uh, and this didn't really limit his minutes in the second half. He still ended up playing nine minutes based on the box score I'm looking at in the second half. Uh, was 0 for 3, though, and took all three of the shots in three-point range, uh, at least a couple of which were were pretty good looks, but, you know, yeah. one of the things we keep going back to with him is, like, trying to see him slash a little bit more and and, and get to the hoop, uh, and as we think about, you know, the free-throw rate overall was good. Um, I, I, he just isn't the the kind of shooter that can just become a standstill uh, jump shooter off the catch and things like that. He just isn't that good of a shooter to to be able to, to play that role on the team. He's not in the the mold of a Nick Zeislof or a Matt Roth or those kinds of guys that IU has had, he's just not who he is, um, and so he needs to diversify what he's doing a little bit more offensively, for, from my perspective. But um, other than that, I did think the activity level was better, and, and as you said, I think for tonight he was rewarded with with some additional minutes for that, uh, and that part is a positive sign. And hopefully, the more he plays, the more he can, um, you know, figure out what he's doing when he's playing well.
0: You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show, breaking down Indiana's victory over South Florida. So, all right, uh, let's, let's kind of talk big picture about this game. I mean, you know, <coughs> kind of said at the end of the halftime report, and by the way, we do a halftime report uh, on Facebook Live every game, facebook.com slash Assembly Call, if you want to join us for that. You know, but as I kind of ended that, it's like, you know, try and talk about keys to the second half, and you're down by one. So you're thinking, man, we have just got to avert disaster and just win this game. Uh, and that's obviously what Indiana did. You know you win going away by seventeen points, um which is obviously good. I certainly feel a lot better about this win than I do say about the Howard game. Like, I thought, even though it was a poor first half, and I know we've, we've focused on a lot of the positives here in the post-game show, um, and, you know, hopefully we've given a, a, an accurate view that the game certainly didn't start out well. And there's a reason why Archie Miller got that technical foul, and it's because his frustration bubbled over just like what a lot of us were feeling. I think uh, Archie was basically channeling the fan base there, or maybe we were channeling him either way. But, you know, it was... Uh, those first 20 minutes were very concerning. Um, And I started to think, man, if this is how these next three games are going to go, and then we're going up against Duke, I don't know how this team is going to have much confidence. And Archie has talked about how you have to earn confidence. And this is clearly a team needing to earn confidence in the new system. What do you think? I think there were enough things in that second half, you know, from, you know, Team defense from the offense's ability, you know, to deal with some changing defenses, to do it without turning the ball over. And then, of course, individuals like Juwan Morgan getting going and Robert getting his offense going and Al Durham playing extended minutes again and not turning it over and, and building confidence and on down the line. I think even though this opponent wasn't very good and and there's nothing to write home about beating South Florida, you know, ranked 268th and Ken Palm coming in by 17, I still think there were some hard parts to grasp onto in the second half that this team can build on, you know, to, to, to make this a game that's an important one, even though this, the first half wasn't good, uh, something that, that we can feel good about in terms of the team continuing to make progress.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think you're, you're probably right. We've certainly got a little carried away, I guess, in terms of how, how good parts of the second half were. and didn't dwell on the fact the first half was uh, a bit of a tire fire, but, uh, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think there are, um, there are definitely positives there. I think you saw the defense in the second half, um, but for me, it was just the activity level was so much different. Um, and and you know that's kind of why I continue to go back to Juwan Morgan. I mean, the the rebounds that and loose balls that were going to the opponent consistently in the first half that didn't happen uh, in the second half. I think in large part because you know he really came out and set the tone from an activity standpoint. So um, I think those kinds of things are are uh, are, are ones that you can latch onto and, and carry forward. But by the same token, you know, we watched a really good first half of basketball against Seton Hall get, you know, washed away pretty easily. I think this was the inverse of that, where a pretty poor first half of basketball got washed away by a good second half. So again, the consistency issues are still there, although. Um, from a defensive perspective, the defense on the initial shot in the first half was good. It was just the fact they couldn't get any rebounds, um, which is not to say that it doesn't matter because it was whoever the, the commentator was at halftime even said in the, you know at halftime, well, if you take away the turnovers, the offense was good. I'm like, well, clearly this is something <laughs> yeah. we've said before. He must be an avid listener of the show, but it's like you can't take those away. And it's the same thing about defense where you can't say – well, if if the if the play stopped as soon as they missed the initial shot, we would have been great. Um, that that really wasn't you know that really isn't the idea. So, um, you know, there were some of those positive things, even the offensive things that went well in the second half. You could see some of those in the first half, um, but at the same kind of shoot yourself in the foot moments um, from the turnover perspective and, and from a not you know closing out the possession by grabbing a defensive rebound. Those things are still frustrating and 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 can't be overlooked. But hopefully. Um, you know, we see a little bit more consistency in the different phases of the game over these next couple. But uh, yeah, definitely it wasn't all, uh, you know, sunshine and and rainbows and green lights and all those kinds of things uh, over the course of the game. But I thought the second half uh, presented a lot of good, good things to get excited about.
0: Yep. All right. Well, coming up in our final segment of this edition of the assembly call, we're going to hand out our game balls. We will look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and then we will deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's victory over South Florida in the last call. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 17-point victory over South Florida. And Andy, you are an Eagles fan, for people who don't know this, and so I know that, that you want to get to that Eagles-Cowboys game. We want to get you out of here before you start referring to Curtis Jones as Carson Wentz and Al Durham as Alshon Jeffrey. So we will uh, we will try and power through this,
1: <laughs> this sports
0: segment here. But let's, uh, let's go to our game balls, and uh, we'll start with you. And I, I have a suspicion I know where you're going with this one.
1: Yeah, you would. If anybody had said before this that Robert Johnson would have twenty-one points for the game uh, and be be a plus twenty in <clears throat> plus-minus, that I wouldn't give him the game ball, uh, that would have seemed like a fairly unlikely outcome. But I, I've got to give it to John Morgan. I, I like I said, I just think everything uh, that this team did well in the second half tied back to the way that he came out of the locker room uh, and really set the tone for a team that that was kind of sleepwalking a little bit through. Uh, the first half of the game, and I thought, you know they really took his energy and uh, and were able to carry it forward. Over the course of the second half and so you know again his stat line from the second half would have been one we would have been happy with from him for a game so uh hard not to uh hard not to go with him maybe you'll even things out and give one to robert johnson because i think those were the two guys uh those two and, and al durham were ones that to me really stood out above uh above everybody else and so i think we we've, we've seemed to have balanced each other out well we'll see if that's the case here i would not have any issue if you gave yours to juan as well but uh i really was just impressed with the the leadership that he gave in the second half by the way that he came out and played and, and really reversed a lot of the things that they did poorly in the second half um you know by by really leading by example
0: yeah joan was great um and so i'm glad you gave him your game ball you know and honorable mention certainly goes to al durham who i thought again his contributions go beyond what you see just in the box score and nine points four assists and five rebounds in 31 minutes with no turnovers from your freshman point guard doing a lot of ball handling you know, I don't care who the opponent is, that's impressive, but I'm definitely going with Robert, you know, and, 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 and we spent a lot of time, uh, uh, with the, the official coach of the assembly call, Brian Tonsoni, who joined me for assembly call radio. We spent an entire segment talking about Robert Johnson. And I think, you know, Robert Johnson, what's wrong? Can he build his confidence? What's going on with him? That was a, that's been a big topic of conversation since the Seton hall game, you know? And, and I think Andy, we were, we were pretty critical of him after the Seton hall game, you know, and, and, I kind of, after thinking about that, I wondered if we were maybe a little bit too harsh on him and maybe we're not being quite patient enough with him because clearly his coaches, you know, clearly Archie Miller doesn't see any problem with Robert's buy-in, any problem with his defensive effort, uh, you know, is willing to live with some of the turnovers that, that he's producing because, as you said, he knows that he needs him. And so I thought for Robert to come out like he did today and really have the kind of game that we expected from him. Uh, you know, again, twenty-one points, three assists, four boards was big, but I also thought it was important when some of the points came because Robert is going to be a guy that when the offense is struggling, the team is going to look to, and especially when we start playing in tough environments and and certainly against tougher opponents than tonight, he's going to have to step up. But in the first half, when the team was really struggling to score you know, his outside shooting and then his drives to the basket were important. And he was able to obviously, you know, tack on some additional points there in the second half. But I thought in the first half, if he doesn't come through and, and and play really probably his best offensive half of the season, Indiana's maybe losing that game by five, six, seven points. And now you're going into halftime down to South Florida at home. And it's like, man, what is going on? And so I thought that was really big. And so for him to do that, play so many minutes and then come out in the second half and be so big defensively, uh, I think he is a, a a worthy recipient of the game ball. And I think it's important. I think it's really important that in a game like this, the two guys that you're looking to for the leadership that Indiana is looking to Robert and Juwan for, I think it's important that they led from the front, both in terms of production, in terms of effort, and just in terms of the timing of when they did things. I think that's so important for this team moving forward. Uh, and so... Again, if that's a trend for this, th- these three games against opponents that Indiana should expect to beat heading into the Duke game, the guys like Robert and Juwan are going to take big steps forward, get comfortable, get confident. That would be as big a development for Indiana, uh, I think, as anything that could happen. So a good sign, I think, that both those guys got our game balls tonight. All right. So Indiana's next opponent is Arkansas State the day before Thanksgiving, and then Indiana will play Eastern Michigan after Thanksgiving. Of those two opponents, uh, Eastern Michigan certainly figures to be the tougher one. uh, But what does Indiana have facing it the day before Thanksgiving against Arkansas State, Andy?
1: Well, as part of this event... um... Arkansas State and Eastern Michigan just played each other uh, on Thursday and uh, Eastern Michigan won by 17. So uh, that head to head result would suggest they are also the better team. Yes. Uh, so in terms of Arkansas State, you know, kind of the middle of the pack Sunbelt team based on most preseason projections. Uh, the couple of things that stand out to me they're they're outside the top 200 in both offensive and defensive efficiency at this point. Um, Couple of numbers stand out. One on offense, one on defense that have uh, been been keys for IU so far. So one is they turn the ball over at a pretty high rate. Um, so I, I bring that up not because it'll be like looking in a mirror potentially, um, but more because IU has done such a good job of turning opponents over and continue to do that uh, tonight as well. So they're you know 328th in uh, in offensive turnover rate. So. Ah, uh, one thing to really look for for iU is can they continue um, doing things well defensively and really turn over their opponent and uh, and creating opportunities to score. And the uh, they also rank 328th in, uh, in defensive free throw rates. So they've been putting their opponents on the line a lot uh, at nearly 54%. So uh, that'll be, again, those are two keys for IU as they've been over the course of the season, um, you know, turning opponents over on the defensive end and getting to the free throw line. So if they could do both those things well, which are weaknesses of uh, Arkansas State's, you'd like to think they, they feel pretty good about themselves going into Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah. All right. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at hoosierproud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear like the IU men's soccer t-shirts that they have to support the men's soccer team uh, as they go for another national championship, if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of HoosierProud's Proud's unique indiana inspired designs, visit hoosierproud.com and use the promo code assembly at checkout. That's hoosierproud.com. Promo code assembly for fifteen percent off your entire order. Uh, Andy, just a quick check of the Ken Palm stats, which are updated. Uh, and you know, most games this year, it wouldn't be have been very much fun to have Archie Miller with us to to check these Ken Palm stats. We know he, that he likes to do that. Uh, but actually, some 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 nice uh, improvements uh, from Indiana after this game, and at least a few numbers. And I think the one that really jumps out, you know, you mentioned the block shots, and Indiana now has a block percentage of sixteen point nine percent, which is very 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 good surely unsustainable over the course of the full season, but it's in the top 30. Uh, and it's a big contributor to Indiana holding opponents to just 44.4% shooting on twos. Now, to give you some context for that number, that's 76th in the country. That is is a really good job of, of holding opponents down on two-point field goals. And if they can just bring that three-point field goal percentage down because right it's now below it's 50, so that's yeah. Good. Well, it's below 50. It's still <laughs> 337th in the country, so it's not good at all. But if that, you know, just, and obviously, you know, you expect some regression to the mean there. Um, you know, but if they can if they can bring that down, that's really going to help the defense. And I think we know, you know, look, we, we've talked a lot about the pack line defense and, and what you're trying to do, what the defense is trying to take away and what you are inevitably going to give up because you're trying to take that away. Indiana is going to give up some looks from three. And so the Hoosiers have to be better at recovering. You know, they have to be better at closing out on shooters, obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> closing out, but in control. So they're not just flying by and so that they can still block out if they can do some of those things. We're starting to see the building blocks for a better defense. And it's disappointing that it hasn't all come together at once. And yeah, Indiana is still ranked 172nd in defense. But, you know, I, I, I assume that you feel the same way. You know, you look at that number 172 and it's like, man, this team sucks on defense. And yeah, overall on balance they have, but you kind of see the slivers of light. You kind of see the reasons for hope defensively. Uh, and at least in a couple of the numbers, uh, you know, both the, the two point field goal percentage allowed the block percentage. And then, of course, the turnover percentage uh, where Indiana is turning its opponents over on 22.7 percent of possessions, which is a really good number. You're starting to see the building blocks of a good defense.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think you know that three point number is is unsustainable. Hopefully, um, you know to be able to to give up that many uh, to give up that many three pointers made. Um, and so I think that's something that that normalizes itself as the two point percentage probably goes up a little bit. But um, no, I agree. I mean, the the turnover rate I think does feel uh, sustainable to me in, in the sense that they should be able to. Uh, you know to continue to do that. I mean, the ball pressure is there uh, it, more often than it has been in in years past. And so I think there's some uh, you know potential you know potential on that side. So we're pretty small sample size still at this point. Uh, and if Arkansas State's as bad at taking care of the basketball in that game as they've been so far, we'll continue to kind of rave about the defensive turnover rate. But yeah, you're starting to see it. I think Archie made comments to that effect uh, after the game as well that you know you're seeing them get better uh, defensively, and and you're starting to see more of it translate from the practice court and onto the floor. So, uh, hopefully that's certainly, we hope that's true. And I think that's a number that should come down, uh, hopefully, uh, quite a bit as the three point shooting, you know, drops back to a, a more normal level. Goodness gracious. I hope so.
0: All right, let's go to last call. Get some final thoughts on this Indiana victory. Andy, you can go first.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that we've talked about so much in the Korean era is that when this team te- seemed to take its confidence defensively from how well it was shooting the ball. And I thought in the second half tonight, in a half where I, you really didn't shoot it all that well, um, you know, just 40.7%, they did so many other things well that they were able to build confidence uh, in, in in a time when they weren't making shots. Uh, and I think that is something that we, we, you know, if there's any 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 kind of progress to be uh, really talked about here as we, as we just talked about in defense, I think that is a huge step for this team because there have been so many times in past years when the shots weren't falling, they just, you know, some bad shots led to more bad shots. Some turnovers led to more turnovers. Um, and tonight in, in a half where they didn't shoot the ball. Well, they turned the ball over just three times for a turnover percentage of, uh, just under 10%. They grabbed eight offensive rebounds. They got to the line 17 times. They held the opponent to a, a, a like you know twenty four percent I think in the second half shooting, um, and so they didn't let the fact that they weren't making shots initially uh, really get them out of what they wanted to do. And I think we start looking for signs of progress. That to me is as good a one as any um, because it's just not who they've been uh, in these last few years. And so um, they didn't press when they weren't making shots. They just you know played hard, uh, played smart, and and really did a lot of good things in the second half. So. Uh, again, we probably focused too much on the second half and maybe not enough on the first half that wasn't very good. But to me, um, that was a big takeaway and a big sign of what I hope is growth from this team uh, as they move forward into these next couple games that we uh, certainly hope they can win and 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 get them ready for that stretch. I think that was a big one uh, and hopefully a building block that they can have.
0: Yep, really interesting quote uh, from South Florida's coach Brian Gregory. This is tweeted out by Mike Miller of the Herald Times, talking about Jawan Morgan. And Gregory says, Jawan Morgan, they don't run one play for him, not one. All he does is set ball screens and roll, but he gets a double-double tonight because he plays so hard and he's accepted that role. You know what? He's going to make a lot of money with that role because there's not a lot of guys who will play that hard and do those things. Uh, And I think, again, about Jawan Morgan's play tonight, I thought he really had some good minutes in the Seton Hall game. Uh, One of the most encouraging things to take out of tonight, you know. and the thing about Jawan Morgan is, I feel like Juwan is a skilled enough on offensive player to run plays for him and to focus on getting him the ball. And I do think at times, you know, Indiana has tried to get him involved in the post and, and set up some isolation opportunities for him uh, to use his driving ability, which especially when he gets a mismatch, he can be very effective at. But what was great to see from Juwan is just his ability to find ways to get involved and to lead this team with energy. And you know, a lot of times in basketball when you're playing hard and you're active and you're really engaged and you're trying to do what your coach wants you to do and, and you're just going all out, you get rewarded. And Juwan was. I mean, he got offensive putbacks and he got fouled and was able to get to the line. And so I think that was great to see. Obviously, the opposing coach recognized it as well he should because Juwan obviously led, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> was, was a big part of his team getting a loss because of that double-double. And so, again, my biggest thing over these three games is, 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 is Indiana really able to take some significant progress forward to prepare themselves for that tough five-game gauntlet of Duke, Michigan, Iowa, Louisville, and Notre Dame. Because if Indiana plays like it did in the second half against Seton Hall or the first half against South Florida, they could lose all five of those games because those are all five good teams. But if Indiana plays more like it did in the first half against Seton Hall and the second half tonight, you're seeing the building blocks there, even though this this team is far from being a a good team yet. You know, this is this is an adequate team right now that can put together stretches of good play within a game but hasn't shown us that they can do it yet for 40 minutes. But we're starting to see it. And it'll be interesting to see how Archie doles out the minutes moving forward. Uh, you know, but we're starting to see some guys emerge as more consistent leaders. You know, And I think Robert Johnson has done it with his effort tonight. He was able to do it uh, scoring-wise. Juwan Morgan, obviously, the same way. And we've talked a lot about Al Durham and what he's brought. So some positive things to take from this game. And, you know, out of the last 80 minutes of basketball, Indiana's played 40 good minutes. And so now what I would really like to see, and I'm sure you feel the same way, is against Arkansas State, against Eastern Michigan, can this team put together, you know, 24 good minutes, 28 good minutes, you know, really get some good play in both halves that that now seems to be the next step and so that certainly would all be working uh, watching for and if Indiana can do that you know during this this little three-day stretch with two games I certainly will feel a lot better about their chances to compete when Duke comes to town on the 29th and of course we will be here to uh, talk about it all afterwards we'll be here Wednesday night after the Arkansas State game we'll be here Friday after the Eastern Michigan game uh, to break it all down for you but that will do it For us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show, remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure, don't forget, go to assemblycall.com slash join and join our free email newsletter so that you get our Sunday uh, news roundup so that you get our post-game analysis emails the day after every game. It's all free. You just have to join the email list. Uh, And with that said, thank you very much for listening. We will talk to you again on Wednesday night for the IU Arkansas post-game show. Uh, Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. and Go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client
1: rocket pro insight makes it easy for real estate agents to help clients strengthen their offers with a verified approval giving you the power to adjust the approval letter amount sign up today at rocketpro.com real estate offer cost information conditions equal housing lender license in all 50 states mlsconsumeraccess.org number 33 some people
0: just know the best rate for you is a rate
1: based on you with all
0: not one based on carol she's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her